0: Blob Talk Radio. Well, hello, guys. It's Monday night. It is 9 p.m. Eastern. Therefore, it must be time for getting loopy. Join us every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for a little or a lot of loopy fun, depending on, you know, all of our moods. Um, we are guest free tonight because I haven't quite got my crap together there's a couple things I'm going to talk about you know I'm never uh, short of things to say so um, we're going to talk just a little bit about my stuff tonight and then uh, next week we will have the lovely and talented Vashti Braha from Designing Vashti and then later in the season um, I have just scheduled Marisa Garris from Underground Crafter who I've gotten to know a little better over the uh, over the last year or two. She's been uh, in the industry for a long time, and uh, I've been spending a lot of time with her the last couple of years. So I'm excited that she is going to be on the show because I don't know that she ever was before. So uh, at the risk of being ranty because we all know how I am. Oh, also, if you want to call in tonight, um, we could play that game if I could find the call-in number because, oh my good gosh, they keep changing the... Ah, I thought I could find it. They keep changing the uh, software here and I just can't quite get it together. So, um I will keep yammering and perhaps we will find the uh perhaps we will find the call-in number before I hang up. Um, Oh, here we go. If you want to call in, if it's a crochet question, do not make me crazy with nutty stuff that is not crochet or craft related. The number is 646-787-8510. That's 646-787-8510. And we are open for calls now. Uh, We were talking last week when I had uh, Kathy Lashley on from elk studio and shout out to all the elkies that have uh, listened to the show and will continue to listen to the show. And uh, we attended the snap conference last weekend and I've been thinking a lot about that. One of the things that has been on my mind this week, darling listeners is man, how do you get all the stuff done in a day that you need to? And to some extent I'm talking to people in the craft industry, but If you're not in the craft industry and you have some cool ideas, man, I'm open to hearing them because when we did the show last week, we were talking quite a bit about how excited we were and how much new information we had gotten and all the things that we had learned. And now here we are a week later, and I'm not speaking for anybody except myself, of course, But there I am looking at this list going, you know, did I learn wonderful things that will change my life or did I just add 15 things to the bottom of the to-do list that will never ever get done and did I increase my stress? So I wish that I had all the time in the world to sit and rethink my business plan and start some things from scratch, Um, you know, to add to the blog, to add to the YouTube channel, to think about things like search engine optimization um, to get busy with Patreon, to get busy with monetizing, getting loopy. But my business is at a point right now where if I stop for a couple of weeks and do that, then all the other spinning pie plates that are in the air are going to get dropped and shatter on the ground and I will starve to death, (laughs) etc. So um, it's been interesting. The other thing that is on my mind this week And uh, this is a topic we have discussed many, many times on the show and will do again. But, oh, my gosh, it was like crocheter insult bingo. A friend of mine from a yarn company posted something about a crocheter, sent her a message, and said, can you crochet, you know, can one crochet with your yarn? And she posted on Facebook that she was frustrated with that because, of course, you can. And she was wondering why this particular crocheter didn't get that that was possible. And I know that she posted it in the – and don't go searching for the thread because it's gone Um, (laughs) for good reason. But um, people came on and were cranky at the yarn person and said that she was being insulting to the crocheter by pointing out that the crocheter didn't know. And then it was like crochet insult bingo, I'm telling you. I feel like we've had the same conversation 7,500 times during the olden days of getting loopy. And now I feel like we're going to have the same conversation 7,500 more times. And I want us to figure out how to change the conversation. So somebody said, well, crocheters don't buy upscale yarn because upscale yarn companies don't market to crocheters. Well, That's a pretty broad generalization, and this yarn company in particular actually spends a lot of time marketing crocheters, and I know that to be true because I have helped her do it. So this is not, you know, she's not blowing smoke. She's put a lot of effort into this. So, of course, coming onto her thread on her wall and telling her it's her fault that she can't sell yarn to crocheters or doesn't sell a ton of yarn to crocheters was offensive and rude and didn't advance the conversation. Um, Then somebody came on and said, well, if you if you would if you would market more to crocheters, they would spend money and here's the thing you guys that is not necessarily true uh, this person literally said if you will build if you build it, they will come. That is not a business plan. <laughs> you know what I mean if you build it, they will come first off. We have all proved time and time again that uh just, Just because you build it doesn't mean anybody's going to come. It has to be something that the consumer wants. And I talked about this a lot near the end of getting Ruby the first time around, which was I used to rant like that and say, well, you know, you didn't mark to the crocheters and you don't have anything worse and blah, blah, blah. And if you do that, then the crocheters will support you. Well, they don't. And that's Okay. You know, I used to talk on the show a lot about, you know, if you're a crocheter, you should go support this company and you should support these designers. And, and by the end of getting loopy, I came to the conclusion that it was not my job to tell people how to spend their money. That um, you know, if all you wanted was free patterns, that's cool. I mean, the flip side is then you can't complain that a designer that only designs paid patterns is out of the loop. You know, you can't have it both ways. But it's not for me to say what people should and shouldn't do and this whole you should go buy a pattern you don't want to support the designer. I don't I don't necessarily go for that. I believe that designers have to market a product that people want or it's not going to work for their business. And I say that as somebody whose business took a, an amazingly terrible nosedive two years ago because in the olden days I would say about 80% of my income came from print. It came from my print distributor. It came from people buying books. It came from writing more books and getting more advances and book royalties. And, you know, everything was print, 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 print. And the industry has changed. And it was not up to 10,000 people I don't know to send me $5. It was up to me to figure out how to change the business, to change with the time. Um, I'm in a really good place right now, but I'm telling you what, I would say about 15% of my income comes from print now, and that was a big change for me to get through. So just because you build it doesn't mean they will come. And then, of course, another yarn company came on and said, well, I marketed to the crocheters once in 2010, and they didn't buy it, so screw them, <laughs> which is also not really a helpful attitude. Um, but again, it was another box on, you know, crochet or bingo, And um, this person had in fact marketed to crocheters and I'm joking. I obviously I'm paraphrasing this particular company had marketed to crocheters numerous times and uh, decided it was not to their benefit that while it was nice to have crochet patterns that people could buy who came in and asked for crochet, their market was still primarily knitters. So If your market is 80% knitters and 20% crocheters, I think it's okay to have your your pattern mix reflect that and your samples that you're hanging in your shop reflect that. And once again, I don't think the problem gets solved by people trying to bully independent yarn companies into hanging more crochet. You don't tell the plumber, (laughs) you know, you don't like who he's marketing to, and he should change his marketing plan. You know what I mean? I don't know where we got into this pickle in this industry. Well, I have some theories on why that happened, but that's for another show. Um, that, I mean, yeah, we have to make some noises, hookers, to get people to pay attention. And I was part of that. You know what I mean? Getting loopy was a big part of that. And we held our hook high and flaming hook of justice in the crochet liberation front and all that other kind of stuff. But there comes a time where I don't think we get to demand that any business sink money into something that is not giving them the return on investment that they desire or need to stay in business. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be treated like a red-headed stepchild and we're hiding under the closet and we don't exist, and et cetera, et cetera, but on the other hand, if you're a a yarn company and you have $1,000 to invest in commissioning patterns and you know you're going to sell 2,000 knits and 20 crochet, you're going to buy the knit patterns because that's where you're going to make your money. Um, now, interestingly, when I was at Dallas-Forth Worth, a couple of uh, yarn companies, and I'll talk more about them later. I'm going to see if I can get some of them to come on the show. Um approached me about commissioning uh, crochet patterns, and instead of purchasing them outright, which I hate to do, or offering a fee that was out of line, offered me sort of profit sharing, and I'm trying that out. I took commissions from three different companies. Um, they're not going to be out anytime soon, those patterns, because I'm moving in two weeks, so that's going to be an adventure. But... um I'm wondering if that is a business model that many of us might choose to pursue because it's a little bit of speculation on the part of the crochet designer. On the other hand, I still don't like to do a ton of magazine work because I don't think the money's worth it. And I don't feel like I have to blaze a trail in my career at this point in my life. You either know who I am or you don't. You listen to the show or you don't. You buy my patterns or you don't. You're watching my videos, believe me, whether they're on my channel or somebody else's, because I spend so much of my time these days making videos for other clients as well as myself. Um, I'm, I'm interested to find out. And so this, this, this is risk sharing, you know what I mean? I'm not taking a bucket of money up front. And, uh, you know, I've had a couple companies, say oh you know we can do this and you'll get free yarn well guess what children I can get free yarn any number of places that's not really appealing to me but this sort of royalty idea I think could be an avenue that is worthwhile for people like me now it would have to be a yarn company that has a fairly decent track record it's scary to do that with a new person you don't know you know how many shows a year they're going to do or what their online presence is like or how many kits they're going to sell which is where you're going to make your money Um, But I selected three different yarn companies that I am going to try this with in the coming year. And um, I'll be sure to let you guys know how that turns out. But again, it takes some of the risk away from the yarn company. And these three are show-oriented. They don't have bricks-and-mortar stores, but they do a ton of the big conventions and the shows and something like that. And that is not a market that I personally have gone after before. So I'll be very interested. But... On my – the risk on my end is maybe I've spent time developing a pattern that, you know, doesn't make me a ton of money. Uh, the potential upside, though, is if they sell 1,000 kits, then I'll get, you know, money from a 1,000 kits. And, you know, the, there's potential for an upside. From their perspective, people do come into their booths, they said, and they ask for crochet patterns. And these companies do not have a ton of crochet patterns, once again, because that's not what, where they want to invest their capital, and, and that's fine. You know, that's an okay thing. They're allowed to invest where they want to. Uh, but this way they can get a pattern in their booth, and they can get a model that they can hang, and they don't have a ton of upfront cost. You know, they're out the yarn and whatever advance they took. So um, I think this is potential. But again, coming back to the, to the bingo, And then by the end of the conversation on the Facebook wall, which is why it's gone, people were just getting nasty and name-calling, and I don't see how any of that furthers the conversation. I do think to some extent the conversation needs to continue to be had. On the other hand, I cannot believe we are having the exact same conversation in the exact same terms that we were having 10 years ago when Getting Loopy came back. You know, when getting be started the first time around. By the way, this is our 10th anniversary month. Can you believe it? Um, so uh, it was interesting. So that has been on my mind because I have uh, – I, 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 that just happened yesterday. And I just uh, – holy Pete. It it was like I could have written the whole thread. It's like, well, this person's going to say this. And, you know, while I didn't call the exact people who were responding, it was literally like I could go down the list and check off, well, somebody's going to blame the yarn company, and somebody's going to say crocheters are cheap, and somebody's going to say crochet always takes three times as much yarn as knitting, which is garbage, Uh, you know, but enough people say it loud enough. And, I, you know, so I'm I'm reading this thread as it's happening, and I'm essentially yelling, fake news. At Facebook. Um, so it's not just American politics where this can happen. <laughs> Fake news can get us even in the craft industry. So um, again, we're talking about this because I think it's interesting. I know that a lot of people that listen to this show are active in the crochet community. So, you know what do you think, you guys? How can we change the conversation? and obviously, with everything that is going on in the world these days, this is not a high priority problem i'm 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 as hook happy as the next person, but you know I, I don't think uh, you know there's any yarn craft that is as important as human rights violations that are going on around the world but you know, we're engaged in our hobbies, we're engaged in the community, there are things that we want to do, and I wonder how we change the conversation, how do we get it so these conversations can happen, and it's not the same five stupid comments over and over and over again, because... The world is changing. The craft world is changing. How the craft industry works is changing. The conversation is not. And um, that is both interesting and depressing to me. So thoughts for men be for you to think about in the next week? How do we change the conversation so that there is not so much name calling and false fact yelling and uh, Pollyanna behavior in that, you know, oh, you just do it my way and it'll be perfect. You know, how do we get what we want as crocheters while taking into consideration that everybody's running a darn business and, you know, stuff has to happen. So that's one thing that's been on my mind. Um, the other thing, there have been a lot of conversations when I was in Dallas uh, two weeks ago. One of the classes I taught, and I teach it over and over and over again in multitude of places, is the uh, How to Begin an Independent Pattern Publishing company class and that is suitable for crocheters and knitters and you know other kind of crafters but um, one of the things people keep asking that I'm going to address briefly in the show is the difference between TNNA and AFCI which used to be CHA so let's uh, let's let's uh, analyze those letters a little bit TNNA which I say so very clearly is because in the first iteration of getting loopy, uh, with my fast-talking New York accent, I used to say T N N A, and people thought I was saying T and A, which of course means something very different. Uh, so that is the National Needle Arts Association. Now that is a trade show in which independent yarn companies, um, by which I mean not the big four mass market guys, but uh, yarn companies that sell to yarn shops Um, and also needlepoint and cross stitch is represented at that show and spinning and weaving a little bit Um, so that show happens twice a year and that is a trade show so it is only open to those in the industry Costs you about 180 dollars to join as an affiliate member uh we used to be called designer teaches i Teachers, I think we're called business support services. I don't know. They change it every year. Um, I am no longer a member of TNNA because I didn't feel that I was getting enough benefit out of the membership to make it worth writing a check. Your opinion may vary. There are some um, women and men who are very active in the design field who are trying to uh, get TNNA to be a little more inclusive and a little more reactive to the needs of the designers and teachers and tech editors and contract stitchers and people like that. Um, been there, done that with CNN I was a member for many years, and I, again, held the hook high and did some rabble-rousing and did some yelling and did some negotiating and did some volunteering, and I couldn't get any forward movement. So there's a new crowd trying now, and good luck to them. Um, I do attend the show. I, I go in with my print distributor, which is Bryson, uh, which, uh, they're, I mean, they're still a big distributor. They just don't sell print patterns like these two, but I will go in, and I will attend the show in June. So uh, that is a show where aspiring people in the industry can go, and very carefully, because you don't want to interrupt sales, uh, go in and talk to different yarn companies and tool manufacturers and distributors and stuff like that and uh, not only maybe fish around and see if there's any opportunities for work, but it's also a really terrific way to see what the trends are in product because the trade show is where new products are debuted. So it's very cool to see the new yarns and the new tools and the new focus on colors and the new techniques that people are featuring before the general public sees them because one of the ways to get attention on a new pattern or a new video or a new blog post or however you reach your particular public is uh, to be featuring yarn as it comes out. If somebody sees a brand new yarn and they're really interested in it, the next thing they're going to do is search for patterns in it or knit knit or crochet or weaving or whatever their craft is. And uh, if it is a new yarn, there won't be a ton of pattern support. You know, the yarn company will have commissioned some, but if you have some very cool indie stuff out in a yarn that is just new to the public, and, you know, it's popular for whatever reason, um, then you can get a lot of eyeballs because, you um, you know, there's just not that much else for other people to search. So that is a very cool aspect. But it is a very heavy networking show. Now, the primary mission of the manufacturers at this show is to sell yarn to yarn stores. The, secondary or perhaps tertiary businesses to deal with designers and talk like that. So
1: um,
0: on the one hand, again, the other post I see all the time that makes my eyeballs bleed is the obligatory, you know, if you're a designer and you're going to a trade show, here's how you abase yourself so that you don't offend anybody. And I, I think that's a little much too. I, we're in the business too. You know, we're allowed to go work. I think the only thing you really need to know is don't interrupt somebody when they're making a sale, but that's common sense. I don't think anybody is that delusional, and if they are, they're going to get weeded out of the industry pretty darn fast. So um, what do they call it, Darwin's law? (laughs) But um, I I don't think you need to abase yourself if you're a designer or a tech editor or contract stitcher and you're going to TNNA for the first time, but you do have to sort of, walk around a little bit, get the lay of the land and and find an appropriate time to go in and get what you want. Now, the other one, which is where I am now a member and I have spending more of my time is AFCI. Don't ask me what it stands for because I don't remember. It's a creative industries, American Federation. I don't know. AFCI. It used to be CHA, which was the Craft and Hobby Association, which was really easy to remember. Um, Now, the big the big four go there generally in some iteration or another and not everyone every time, et cetera, et cetera. But generally, Spinrite is there and Lion Brand is there and Coats & Clark is there and Premier is there. Um, recently, there have been more and more um, what I would consider yarn store brands sort of wending their way over to AFCI. I don't think any of them are setting the world on fire. But again, if you are trying to grow your business in a shrinking market, Maybe you pick up a couple clients there that are different. So I started going several years ago because I had one of the book publishers that I have worked with, uh, which was Fox Chapel slash Design Originals. They had a booth there at uh, AFCI, and I got a badge with them, and I went, there's a lot of general craft stuff. There is a lot of – there's some really great classes you can take, and they're way less expensive than they are at TNNA. Um, You're not going to wander up and down and look at 1,200 Shades of Yarn like you might at TNNA, but maybe you do other crafts and you can sort of bring some stuff into your business. Maybe, you know – Maybe maybe there are some opportunities there, but they're not going to drop in neural app, and they're not going to be obvious. It's not going to be the same as going into a yarn
1: manufacturer
0: and saying, "Hey, do you work with independent designers or do you want to support my pattern?" You know if you're going to put the effort into going to a f c i you're going to have to figure out some other ways that working with general craft companies can fit in with your brand, because if not, that's sort of a waste of money. That is also about $180 to join. And holy crap, my application, I think, I joined last year. I think my application was like 15 pages long. They're very serious about uh, making sure that you are not a hobbyist. Um, But AFCI is fun, and I enjoy going, and that one is only once a year. That only happens in January whereas TNNA happens twice a year, and it is not always in the same place. So the next TNNA is in June. Uh, Don't ask me the dates. I think it was the second weekend, but you can go to tnna.org, and it will be in Cleveland, and I believe uh, there's education on Thursday, but I believe the show is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this time with the fashion show on Thursday night. Um, So if you are interested in joining either of these organizations and attending a trade show, um, TNNA is your next chance. And then next January there will be a TNNA and there will also be uh, AFCI. And I'm 90% certain AFCI is in Phoenix again. Um, It tends to jump in a couple of – we've been in Phoenix for a couple of years. Before that we were in Anaheim for a couple of years. Um, it, it has generally been a West Coast show. I will also say it's interesting to me that both of those shows are um, seeing an increased European presence. There's some British brands coming over and some other European countries represented there. So that's kind of interesting to me. Many of you know, because I've gone on and on about it, that I have been doing a lot of television work in England and I met those people at AFCI. Um, so AFCI specifically has um, a, a, AFCI has a UK chapter so there are a lot of uh, UK businesses that support AFCI so that is another way to sort of expand your business into companies that you may not already have a relationship with although if you're a hooker you got to be because the terms are very different as you know it's not so much a knitting it's a matter of saying bind off versus calf, off, or tension versus gauge, but in crochet, the terms are completely different. Segueing on that, speaking of that, uh, one of the things I have been doing recently since I started working at Ho last October is not all, but some of the patterns that I have been putting up online for purchase on Ravelry or Love Knitting or Love Crochet or Pattern or you know, wherever I happen to be putting them, as I have been offering the crochet patterns in both U.K. and U.S. terms. I can't say that it has made an appreciable difference in the selling of any of those patterns, but, you know, it couldn't hurt. <laughs> so uh, that is that is a way that I'm trying to uh, put a little effort in. Um, the last thing I want to talk about this evening Um, And again, it was interesting talking uh, at the blogger conference at Snap. uh, There was a lot of material about affiliate marketing. And I know people have very strong opinions, pro or con. Um, Affiliate marketing is when a blog or a YouTube video or some other digital content that you are consuming will have advertising on it. And if you click – on an ad on that blog or YouTube video and make a purchase, because you want to make a purchase, part of the selling price goes back to the owner of the blog or the YouTube channel. Um, It does not cost you any additional money, but it is a way to support the uh, creators of content. And as there has been a bigger and bigger move towards free content – um, that's how a lot of these bloggers and YouTubers are making their money. You know, it's not like the olden days when I sold a pattern license to a company for five hundred dollars, and then that five hundred dollars was my payment. If I'm putting a five hundred you know, if I'm putting a pattern up on the blogger on YouTube, I'm counting on those clicks to generate eventually—not in a week, of course—but uh, to generate that five hundred dollars and hopefully more. So for a while there, and again, I'm talking probably eight years ago. Um, there was a real there was a real sort of negative backlash to the early bloggers that were like ads are stupid and there should be never be ads and why should I pay you and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought that was a little egregious. But the other side, some of the blogs, none of the current ones that I work with or admire, but some of the blogs were like, oh, my God, it was just ad, 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 and you had to scroll 20 pages to find the pattern that you were looking for. Uh, but now I think that, um, again, blogs that I like, and we've talked to some of them, and you'll see them again. And I, again, I'm talking about Movie Blog, I'm talking about Beatrice Ryan Designs and the Elk Studio. Kathy was on this week, Underground Crafter, Jesse at Home. Um, those women are creating community, and the affiliate income is allowing them to make enough money to create that community. But they're neither – They're, you know, the websites are decent looking. They're not putting ads in your face. They're not making you crazy. There's not crap popping up all over and music playing and everything else. Um, so I have avoided affiliate marketing like the plague for my entire career. Uh, but one thing I have learned after the SNAP conference last weekend is that I am going to avoid that to my peril, Um and getting loopy will be sponsored. Uh, it was not something I ever wanted to do. We've discussed it eight hundred times on the other hand and and you know again, we've talked about it. I can't always do the podcast forever if it is not making me some money in one way or another. And the loopy groupies have been incredibly supportive over the years, and if I came on the air and said, "Guys, we need to have a fundraiser, we need to raise five hundred dollars to pay the bills then You know, you guys raised $500 and we paid the bills. Um, But I am going to, in the next couple of months, I'm going to start accepting advertising for the podcast. I promise it will not drive you crazy. I promise it will not uh, prevent me from saying anything I want to say because I know one of the reasons a lot of you guys listen to Getting Loopy is because I talk about what I want to talk about and I say what I want to say, whether that's positive or negative. Um, and all the companies that I have spoken to about advertising, I- I've been abundantly clear in a way that only MBT is, that uh, I will not be censoring myself on any craft-related topics, even if I'm taking your money, I'm going to say what I'm going to say. But I do want to give you all a heads up. Um, moving forward, this is something that I believe is going to have to happen, uh, because I do not want to do a PBS fund drive you know what I mean and I don't want to beg and I do want to keep doing the podcast but I do also have to pay my bills and I'm sure as heck not doing it for book sales (laughs) so um, we will moving forward be taking ads I promise it will not affect the content and I promise I will not put 75 ads on you know on one episode Um, you know it'll it's likely to be a you know a, a 30 second spot in the middle or perhaps it's going to be like this episode was sponsored by that kind of thing but it is going to happen um and i'm i'm i was ambivalent i i gotta tell you i was ambivalent about it but i think it's a way to keep the show going in a way that we couldn't do six years ago so i think it's a way to keep getting loopy on its feet and i think uh, it could be just crazy, but I think that there is a place for getting loopy in the world. I've always thought there was a place for getting loopy in the world. So this is a way to make sure that it it stays in the world. So I think it's going to be okay. And and it's not a one-way street. I'm, I'm fine with getting comments um, on the Facebook page, which is Getting Loopy, or the Ravelry group, which is Getting Loopy 2.0. Or you can email me, gettingloopy2.0 at gmail. Dot com. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation about it. Um, and on the blog, com slash blog. I did get a post up last week, a little bit about the SNAP conference and a little bit about getting loopy. I am going to try moving forward to um, be more regular about posting on Mondays about who the guest is and why we're talking to them and all that kind of stuff. I didn't do that today because of course it's just me crambling. <laughs> but um, I will try and put a little more effort into making sure that I'm posting on Mondays. And again, if you haven't heard any of the earlier episodes, we used to have getting Com, and that's where all the show notes from the blog went. But uh, a speculator has purchased it when I let it go and would like $2,500 to sell it back to me. So, that's not gonna happen. Um so you guys are gonna just have to go on the Hook for Life blog to uh to get getting Loopy updates or again the Facebook group or the Ravelry group. Well nobody called in tonight um but that's okay. And you know I'm thinking about the advertising again. If you listen to Getting Loopy Live the only advertising you get is at the beginning where it goes blog talk radio. I know that if you listen to it later on on Blog Talk Radio or anything else, you are getting advertising. There's, you know, I, th- I think we had Chevy trucks for a while. And I I have no control over what's on there. Um, I do get. I think I think we made eighty two cents <laughs> last month on BTR ads, but you know that is there. So I really sort of decided that there is. We've got to come to the point where there's no difference between Chevy trucks and you know, who's ever yarn or book company or whoever else that I guess that wants to take ads. It's it's going to be a thing that happens to support the show. And also putting some affiliate uh, ads up on the blog. And again, in the olden days we used to just have Amazon on the sidebar. And again, they're mostly in the sidebar. There might be one or two floating around near the bottom, but I am not at a position right now where I'm putting 75 affiliate ads up. Um, but Click them, you know, help me out if you want me to continue to create content that you don't have to pay for. And, of course, we all want that, right? Who wants to pay for content? Um, None of us do. But um, that's the way you can help out, by clicking ads or – I keep renewing my Amazon affiliate account, which we used to good. People used that on Getting Loopy. That was one of the ways we paid – through the fees, is people would click on the Amazon link on Getting Loopy, and then it didn't matter what they bought—if it was a book I'd linked to or whatever—but if they bought, you know, a widget or, you know, groceries or whatever, that little percentage came back to Getting Loopy. Um, so Amazon will definitely be back on the regular blog. Although the last two times I tried to renew it, nobody bought anything, and then they canceled me because nobody's gone through it. So I will be putting Amazon back up. Um, Annie's has been a sponsor of the blog you know I have some Annie's ads and um, you know I will also say this and then I will stop harping on the ads if it's a company that I won't do business with in my own life you're not going to see their ads on getting loopy or on the blog Um, I have some strong opinions I don't often how to put this accurately If there's a company out there I won't teach for or I don't want to work with or I think treats people abysmally, I'm not generally calling people out by name because they don't want to be the crazy ranting person in the corner taking her crochet hook at the world. On the other hand, um, if you see me speaking on behalf of a company or recommending a company or a book or a designer or a product, I think it's pretty good or I'm not going to be bothered. So I will also say, cross my heart, um, there will not be any advertising on Getting Loopy or Hooked for Life uh, in which I am not satisfied with the product or the the company or the people that run it. I'm not going to have ads from people that I wouldn't work with. So um, I can at least say that, and that's going to help me sleep at night. So that's how that's going to be. So... Uh, Next week we have Vashti Braha is coming on from Designing Vashti. Um, I'm sure we will tell the story about how I wouldn't be a crochet designer if it wasn't for Vashti. So love me or hate me, I am all her fault. We met many, many years ago, and uh, she invited me to my first conference in 2006. And uh, I introduced me to some interesting people, and, uh, you know, that's how – how life has gone on. So I'm delighted. And when I put the first episode of getting loopy up a couple of months ago, when I just did the sort of random 20 minute episode and put it up, um, Vashti happened to be on her computer and the notice came that getting loopy was live and she couldn't believe it. So she listened to it live. And then I said, good night as I often do and hung up the phone and my phone rang and it was her. And she was so excited that we were back. So I cannot wait to have her back on the show. Um, And then uh, the week after that, I'm still looking for a guest. The week after that will be Marie Segaris from Underground Crafter, who I'm very excited to talk about. Marie is just one of the smartest people I know, um, not just in real life, but in this industry. The way her brain works, like we can be sitting down, having a coffee and a cookie or talking about whatever, and she will suddenly pull out of the air this sort of interesting piece of perspective that will help me and other people in our businesses. So I'm very excited to have her on the show. Um, I'm looking for some yarn companies to get on because it's been a while. Um, looking for some authors. Uh, I've been talking to Annie's and to Leisure Arts about getting some of their authors back on. So that could be fun. And, uh, you know, my blogger buddies will tune in and uh, talk to us whenever I, I torture them. Um, And then I will say the only week we're not going to have a live episode is Monday, May 21st, because I will be at the Northern Illinois Crochet Guild that night teaching color work. Uh, So if you're in the area, check out ni crochetguild.com, I believe is what it is. But just Google Northern Illinois Crochet Guild of America and you will find that. And I believe that's in Arlington Heights on Monday night, May 21st. And then after that, Houston Fiber Festival and uh, Lancaster Fiber Festival in August. So I have been talking for 40 minutes. I'm about done. I got to go pack. Y'all, I have lived in this apartment for four years. And I donate yarn regularly to the Senior Center and to the Arts Academy and to the church groups that make hats for sailors in the winter. And I'm still buried. I don't know how it happens. I'm so good about purging the stash every six months and giving stuff away and thinning the herd. And I, man, I just don't don't know where it all comes from. Uh, But one of the cool things I'm excited about in the new apartment is is that that there will be a separate um, studio. Uh, So I will finally have a room of its own with a door that can close and all the video equipment can go in there And not all the yarn will fit, but the stuff that I use every day can go in that room. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, if I'm not a little more productive after this move happens, well, I just have no darned excuse. (laughs) Anyway, you guys, thank you so much much, as always for joining me. We'll see you next week on Getting Loopy, Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Good night.